Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome to the Bedpost Podcast. I, of course, am your host, Erin Pym. And what I like to do here on the podcast is bring fun and sexy guests into the studio to have conversations about sex and sexuality. Today's guest is a very good friend of mine. She has been on the podcast several times before in the past. Uh, (laughs) Um, and so excited to have her back Um, there's very much a reason why she's back there are lots of cool things happening like right now so without further ado let me introduce a writer performer modern whore paperback the movie and and soon to be the hardcover. Fucking right. Andrea Warehan, everybody. <laughs> How are you, Ms. Warehan? Oh, I'm good. <laughs> you? <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, actually. I'm, I'm doing really well. That's yeah. great. I'm happy to have you back. Uh, yeah, we had you on with uh, Nicole. At one point, talking about when when Modern Horror had first come out, I think the paperback was just released. Yes. We're talking about it at that point, and then I had you, just you on, like, way back in the day. Oh my god, way back in the day, when I was in the closet still. Yeah! And, like, yeah, early, like, around episode, like, 50, like, which is episodes that I don't recommend people listen to, because the audio is probably just... The absolute worst. <laughs> they're, they're, it's far enough back in the episodes that I'm embarrassed yes. to, tell, to recommend. <laughs> the but, true fans will listen to all episodes <laughs> and appreciate the progression. That is true. And you, obviously you are a, uh, a regular appearance at the <laughs> stage show as well. You're a good friend you of mine. You put on a good show. Aww. I'm always happy to be a part of it. You're the best. You always will be. <laughs> Oh. That's the. I'll hold you to that. That's real tea, uh, right there. <laughs> so okay, yes, modern horror for people. I, I can't imagine you are a follower of Bedpost and not know what modern horror is at this point. But for people that perhaps um, don't, or maybe just haven't heard about it since the paperback book, right? What's modern horror and what's going on with it right now? Well, okay, so modern horror, the the paperback, the first edition. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when I say paperback, I mean, like, paperback sounds almost, like, cheap, just, like... It's not. It's not a cheap it's book. It's an art okay. book. It's an art book. So, the you know, the, the paperback... Or, no, let's not call it a paperback. The soft cover. Oh. The soft the f- touch the soft The flaccid. Cover. The flaccid cover. <laughs> <laughs> Our little flaccid book <laughs> uh, is an illustrated memoir based on the two years I spent working as an escort. Um, in which I wrote 27 short stories, 
that range from memoir, you know, to uh, fairy tale and fiction. Um, and uh, it's illustrated with the photography of my collaborator and platonic wife, uh, Nicole Bazine, um, who made over 60 beautiful uh film photographs for the book breathtakingly gorgeous yes she's extraordinarily talented um and they're all pictures of me so it's pretty cool <laughs> wow and you know <laughs> naked some of them it's pretty cool look you get nakies yeah. oh my god me scandal oh god i'm a published author i don't get naked <laughs> not uh fucking right i do um so, I mean, that's that's the first edition of Modern Horrors. Yes. So how, uh, how long ago was that? A couple years now at this point? We, uh, we released it 2018. Um, we had our, like, we finished printing it at the end of 2017. Cool. But we released it officially 2018. We are now in the year 2020. And we are looking to raise money um, to do the second edition of Modern Horror, which is the experience expanded edition because while the original modern horror was based on the two years i spent working as an escort i have unbeknownst to anybody (laughs) been working as a stripper for the last three years and boy have i got new stories oh boy yeah so um i've I've now been a stripper longer than i was ever an escort so this is a great occasion to expand the book um add new stories add new pictures we've got like amazing ideas for spreads that will require some funding and so that's why we're offering this second edition for pre-order on kickstarter right now until april 2nd 2020 um and of course this will be in hardcover this is a hardcover edition yeah. of modern horror so it's like it's everything we've ever dreamed of as far as making a book is concerned. Um, so we are looking to raise $35,000, uh, you know, and we've given ourselves 30 days to do it. I believe we're on, well, we're pretty early into the campaign right now. But you're doing well. We're very close. You're within, almost there, actually. Within a few actually. days, we've we've gotten to 30000 plus. We haven't hit our goal exactly yet. I'm hoping that um, you beautiful listeners are eagerly taking out your credit card right now and going to Kickstarter um, and looking up the Modern Horror Expanded Edition page and and checking out the fabulous prizes that we have available. We have amazing rewards. Um, so do please consider pre-ordering um, Modern Horror, the Expanded Edition, because it's going to be, it's so, it's the fully realized version of Modern Horror. Mm-hmm. And uh we have a very big opportunity here to like create like an even more special book. So love for you to, uh, to, to help us along this journey and to really see, see what this could be. Um, and then, yeah, on top of the, the new exciting Kickstarter to, to launch this new book, we made a film, a fucking amazing (laughs) film. I saw a sneak preview. It's going to have its official debut sometime in the future. We're going to talk about what's happening with that. that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because there was a premiere date and then now there's maybe not one exactly. Yeah. So (laughs) when it was supposed to be, but I saw a very, a very private sneak preview and it is absolutely gorgeous and heartbreaking, and kitschy, and romantic, and all yes. of the things. It's really quite unbelievable. It's it's unbelievable. It is, Andrea. 
Thank you. Well, yeah. and that's and that's like the modern horror mission. It's like I feel like you know Nicole and I. We are. I'm a writer performer. Nicole is a photographer director. So with the book, it plays really to my strengths. You know, it's it, it can showcase my writing, which is my number one skill. I would say. The film showcases her strength, so it's sort of like a tit-for-tat thing. Like, okay, we did the book, now let's make a movie, because that's her That's her game. And Her um, aesthetic, her creative oh, voice, oh my god. Nicole's a fucking genius, and I'm, I'm so blessed to call that woman my wife, yeah. uh, because she really is um, so incredibly talented, and uh, busts her ass every single fucking day, and I know that for a fact. Because I live with her. Because <laughs> yeah. she's also my roommate. <laughs> she's, um, yes, we, we are. Work life roommate. We are. Yes, we are. I, Sex I was, worker and ally. Absolutely. Every was, pairing that you could possibly think of that's you two. She's, yeah, so she's she's magic and uh, she's really truly manifested this, this project in a way that I would never have been able to do by myself, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so the film brings to life all of the nuance of the book. Yes, right? it does. Because the book is is funny, is disturbing, is erotic, is um, reflective and, and thoughtful and um, provoking in that way. Um, and so we just take all of those, those elements and we bring it to the screen and, like, you're saying, which is like very flattering. Like, it's amazing. I think it resonates really strongly with sex workers first and foremost yeah. because that is our experience as sex workers. Like, it's just that you. It's can't... the fantasy. You are seeing the full sex worker fantasy, and then you are seeing the absolute opposite. <laughs> yeah. The gritty reality. Yeah. Like juxtaposed to each other in this like yeah, yeah really striking way. In a way that only a sex worker can tell that story because, you know, in, for time and more immemorial, it's, it, these sex worker stories are told by people that are not sex workers. They, yeah. they, they, you know, they're obsessed with the sort of romanticization of, of the whore's life and, mm-hmm. and what she does. And uh, it always lends itself to very, like, flat storytelling you just get a sense you're not getting the full picture and, and it's very male gaze exactly. you know not only is it not sex workers it's not even women exactly that are creatively involved in any of the media yeah. the traditional media we know about sex work you know exactly film tv any representation it's it's nobody is consulting mm-hmm. these old white men exactly and and the thing <laughs> is too like challenging the idea that if a sex worker is telling her own story it doesn't have to necessarily be this victim narrative. Yeah. We're not victimized necessarily by our experiences. Sure, there's victimizing aspects of being a sex worker. It's a criminalized industry. Mm-hmm. Of course there's going to be predators prancing around looking for their next victim if they know that their their uh, prey isn't going to go to the cops. Mm-hmm. That's a reality. There's There's, you know... You can't dance around that. Hell no. There is victimization that does happen in the sex industry, but we have to be able to talk about it. And we need to be able to facilitate spaces where sex worker storytelling is prioritized over people who are, you know, looking to save us. You Mm. know, these human trafficking activists who, like, have never sucked a dick for money in their life. Mm -hmm. They don't understand what what we do. Um, And as far as I'm concerned... 
I'm a sex worker. I have lived experience. I'm always going to have more authority than somebody who hasn't. And those people cannot speak for me. Mm -hmm. I will always demand that I can speak for myself. And I'm not going to claim to speak for every sex worker. That's for damn sure either. We are not a homogenous group. We do not all have the same beliefs. We do not, you know, some people don't want the laws to change. They're quite happy with the way things are. You know, because it, you know, I don't know, adds a level of discretion because they don't want their families to know what they do. And if they perhaps fear in a decriminalized system and where things are a little bit more open, that they don't get to be anonymous anymore. And that's a very valid concern. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, I think that we should be united in our goal to see sex worker storytelling uh, be destigmatized. And have that become a safer thing for more people to do. Because at the moment, it's still not safe for people to be able to do that. And I have an enormous privilege being out there with my real name and my real face. Me too, girl. You too, girl. Me too. Yes. Yes. And I 100% recognize that. And anytime I'm speaking, like, on behalf of myself in a sex worker context, I'm for sure... Uh, very careful to say that. Yes. I'm like, this is my privilege that I'm speaking from. Yes. Everyone does for sure not able to be an open out sex worker like I am. Exactly. It's a very special circumstance. Very, very. So very. I'm going to speak from my experience, but just let it be known that it's very privileged privileged place. Yeah. 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 We are two white girls who sure have are. that freedom. Right? Yeah. Two cis white women. Yeah. But look at you. I mean, you are amplifying the voices of so many different people that are marginalized in their own ways. And this is very important work. Right. We all we all it's our privilege, but it's also our responsibility to pass the mic as often as possible to people who don't have that privilege if it's safe for them to speak. Yeah, of course. Yeah, because it's not it's for the vast majority of us. It's not safe to speak. So, yeah, I mean, it's a responsibility I, I take very seriously. Yeah, clearly, because you're creating, you're, you're telling your story, right? So, because you can. Because I can. Yeah. Yes, and, and that's what's exciting about the movie, is that it, it has the potential to um, potentially reach a mass audience in a way that a book can't. Yeah. You know, it, I think... A locally produced book can't. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think that the book had a lot of... Uh, success and we'll continue to have a lot of success. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> what are some of the things, some of the places you've gone, some of the people that have interviewed you because of Modern Horror, the original edition? You've done so much, Andrea. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it is pretty incredible to think about the fact that at the end of the day, <clears throat> as far as publishing Modern Horror is concerned, Nicole and I started our own company. Yeah. To publish it ourselves. Yeah. Like, on the first edition of Modern Horror, we did collaborate with a small um, boutique publishing house in Toronto called Impulse B. But for the most part, we were doing all the work um, as far as promoting the book and and bringing it to life and raising the money to do it and doing all of our own shoots and... In the beginning, it was just Nicole and I, you know, hauling around gear and doing our own makeup or she would do my makeup and like her mom was making backdrops for our photos and like, you know, buying and returning things at stores for costumes, like literally doing everything ourselves. Um, And then being able to bring this into the world and have people be interested. The New York Times called me up. 
for mm-hmm. a piece, okay? Mm-hmm. You can't pay. Like, there are PR people that, like, can try and promise something like the New York Times, but they can't get it. Like, mm-hmm. the journalist has to actually be interested. They freaking called me up and wanted my opinion on that. That's fucking huge, mm-hmm. okay? So I can now say forever that the New York Times called me <laughs> modern or provocative. And we're going to milk that to the Oh, fucking. fuck yes. And, like, <laughs> yes, yes, it was one line in a piece not about modern or... Don't give a fuck. <laughs> it's, it's in there. They called it a provocative memoir. Great. Yeah. Um, I got, like, a Guardian profile for, like, my first book profile. Yeah. This is without a publishing house. Amazing. Right? Like, the Daily Mail. <laughs> I mean, this shit will haunt my dreams forever. Like, you know, like, that I love fucking 80-year-olds and I had no shame about blah, 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 blah. Like, yeah. It's immortalized. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's all written UK. on your gravestone. Yeah. <laughs> God. Yeah, the UK, UK tabloid scene is really, truly something else. Um, but I love it. So, like, over the top. Like, I weird. Um, Playboy. 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 This is going a very unconventional uh, route to mm-hmm. uh, reaching the masses. We did it. Nicole and I did it fucking ourselves. Two people. We did it. Okay? And we've continued to build on this. Like, we've been working on modern horror for six years together at yeah. this point. Yeah. We've been working since 2014 yeah. on this. Building, 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 building. You know, whatever money comes in, we just put it in our business. We've never paid ourselves. Mm-hmm. We've never paid ourselves. We've never made a single dime on modern horror. It's all just going right back into goes it. Right back into the business. Yep. And into the next thing. Into the next thing. Bigger and better. Exactly. So, like, whatever tiny amount of money that we had left from selling the books, we put it towards the movie. Mm-hmm. You know? And the movie is a big deal. Like, the movie is so slick. Oh. And <laughs> it is the shiniest. It, it looks a lot more expensive than we actually paid for. It but looks. that's because of the skills of Nicole. Of Nicole and, and yeah. the crew, the incredibly hardworking crew that were willing to work for a little bit less than, than what they deserve because they believe in the project. Yeah. Um and we know that bigger things are coming. We know that we have more in us. We know we want to see a longer form version of modern horror hit the screen. Yeah. Um we have lots of stuff that we're working on behind the scenes. Um, and yeah, the movie is like super exciting. The expanded edition of modern horror is super exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's just an interesting time right now, like today yeah. specifically, yeah. especially when it comes to the movie, because we were slated to, um, yeah. so, okay. let's get into yeah, it. Okay. So we <clears throat> were slated to have our world premiere at South by Southwest. Yeah. Um, Huge. Massive. Gigantic. How many people run through this film festival? Hundreds of thousands of people, yeah. I think. Yeah. I mean, I know I know that it brings the city of Austin more than $300 million just to have that festival be in it for a week. Amazing. So it's, it's an extremely important festival. Um, it's been canceled. Mm-hmm. It's been canceled because of the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like Nicole and I, we're still processing. It's still very, very new, Mm -hmm. um, dealing with the fact, like I was, I'm, I was, I'm heading to Texas next week, Mm -hmm. right? Like I was preparing for that. Granted, I had my doubts that the the festival was going to go. I, I had been 
because you've been following. I've been following the coronavirus stuff since January mm-hmm. and listening to the news obsessively and and uh, watching the news and following this and and uh, I just had a feeling that it wasn't it wasn't gonna go down mm-hmm. but you know it's it's just shitty when it actually happens right. Um, I'm grateful to not be getting on a plane personally. Mm-hmm. I don't want to leave the country right now. Mm-hmm. I don't think the way the United States is dealing with this is like terribly sanitary. I feel like it's gonna blow up in a really big bad way down there. Yeah. So I'm, a lot of misinformation happening. Oh my yeah. god, yeah. So um South by Southwest is cancelled. Yeah. We won't be doing our big world premiere there. But you know what? We've got the laurels on our poster. You know, we can continuously say that we, you know, we're selected to have our world premiere at South by Southwest. Don't know quite just yet how they're planning to go on with with, uh, this. I mean, we have other festivals that we've applied to that we have been... um, Shortlisted? Yeah. Might we say? (laughs) Waiting to (laughs) announce. I'm not sure. Great. I don't know when we're airing this, but... um, tomorrow oh okay never mind yeah, <laughs> yeah so yeah, yeah. so there's, there's some things there's coming up some big announcements coming up yeah um, so you're not it's okay. not like now you don't have a world premiere in sight anymore right i mean i think we now you've just got to create a whole other campaign around whatever the new date is going to be and where and when yeah and i i just i think it's kind Which of is annoying an interesting time for everybody obviously um festivals film festivals specifically because you know 2020 was our year to do our big you know festival circuit with this film and get as many eyes on it as possible um and now well now now it's it's just interesting because it's I don't think it's impossible to have the right eyeballs on it it just means that isn't going to take place in a a physical space. Yeah. So I'm. I, I think South by Southwest is such a innovative, um, groundbreaking festival. I'm sure they're exploring all the different ways in which people can still enjoy the festival, but perhaps from the safety of their own homes, on their computers, mm-hmm. on their phones, possibly. And what if that's the future of of film festivals? If it becomes too much of a liability to have people gathering in one place. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all have access to the internet. It's possible that, that the film will be able to, to enjoy a world, world premiere somehow, some way. Mm-hmm. Um, it just means that these festivals have to rethink the way that they, they do business. So I'm I'm optimistic that um, that modern horror will be able to be seen. Um, I know that we do certainly want it to be available Uh, for people to watch on the internet eventually for Mm -hmm. sure we Mm -hmm. want as many people to see it as possible um can't quite commit to any what what form that will take yeah this is you know daily changing yeah um but yeah i mean it's it's a lot to grapple with but i i just keep reminding myself that I'm not the only person inconvenienced by this. You yeah, know? no, like, yeah, of course. This is something that's impacting hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, we all just got some really terrible news. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I think it's sad for us, just as new 
you know, as Nicole's like a new film, or she's not a new filmmaker, but like this was going to be her big like yeah thing. It's a direct. It's you know, it's a film festival. I'm just the talent, or like you know, I'm just the subject. I'm not. I was just going to go and have fun and like hobnob with with people, but mm-hmm. but for her, it's a bigger deal, and it's. I think there's a lot of emotions that have. To, it's a grieving process, and mm. uh, but there are so many other filmmakers who are dealing with exactly the same thing right now. Exactly. Yeah. And, and questioning the viability of these festivals for the entire year. So who knows what will happen. Um, but I'm, I am confident that we will be able to get um, modern horror available to people somehow, some way, <laughs> at some point definitely. in the future. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And good night. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but this brings up a very interesting topic that we were kind of discussing before the podcast on how, you know, this epidemic is possibly affecting all all our interpersonal relationships. And I'm sure why you have been specifically following it since January is because it is very much affecting our business as sex workers. And I mean, it's affecting a lot of people's businesses. Like, you know, all the things that are coming up um, that people are possibly going to be quarantined. You know, we're going to all be told not to go to work no matter what our jobs are. But as something as physically intimate as sex work, it's a, a, a real thing that our business is going to have to deal with. And we don't know for how long and how in-depthly this is going to affect our livelihood. Yeah. Yeah. What's happening right now with you being a dancer? What's going on at the club right now with in relation to that? I mean, I kind of feel like I'm the only one who seems to be terribly concerned about it. So not not much. Is There's going not on much. At the club. I mean, granted, <laughs> yeah. like they refilled all the the um, hand sanitizer oh, great. dispensers, you know, that had been empty for months. They like finally refilled those, so I'm grateful <laughs> so for that. that. Thank you. Even though we've recently been told that most sanitizers don't do anything for viruses, like, really? Well, like an, it, well, it depends. No, 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 it depends. <laughs> it for sure depends. Like a, a strictly antibacterial, okay. um, will not touch a virus because a virus is not a bacteria; right. it's a virus. But there are antiviral soaps and hand sanitizers. But at one point, people were like, hand sanitizers won't do shit. And it's like, no, no, no. But there are some that will. A lot don't, but some do. Same with (laughs) what kinds of soaps. Like, people are thinking that antibacterial soaps are the way to go. And it's like, it's not a bacteria. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I, uh, uh, yeah, I feel a little like Chicken Little. (laughs) <laughs> because I'm like I'm I'm you know I, I I had actually taken two weeks off of work, mm. um and went back on Thursday this week, mm-hmm. um because I was dealing with a bit of a sickness, mm-hmm. but I'm better now, mm-hmm. and uh, I was like, so uh, how about that coronavirus? I mean, this would be a real hot bed for spreading it, don't you think? And yeah. people are like, oh yeah, no, I'm not worried, like. You guys, like, 50% of the men who walk in here are traveling businessmen. We are not screening people for where they've been, okay? Like, we... uh, Huh? Hello? We are dry-humping people, at the very least. Like, we are 
in contact with people mm-hmm. in a very intimate way. If, if like, <laughs> we're not even supposed to be shaking people's hands. Yeah, like, we've all, we've all been told to wash our hands for the, you know, you're supposed to sing happy birthday twice while you lather. We have all been told to do that, and we've all been told to not touch our faces. However, people are still having other intimate um, contact with people's, you know, with people, um, that is not just a handshake that, that we need to be kind of thinking about if our livelihood is uh, where you're in close physical contact with other people and traveling people. Traveling people. It's like, okay, we need to think about now. <laughs> okay, great, we're, wa- we're all washing our hands. Great. Yeah. But there's a lot else that we need to be thinking about too, especially yeah. us, like you and me. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I, and I, I think, you know, you know, one of the things that has been suggested is to avoid crowds. Well, you know, on a Friday or Saturday night at the club, like, I gotta work, and I gotta mingle with that crowd. Um, so, personally speaking, I'm feeling a little bit like my time at the club is limited by necessity. Like, I, I, I cannot see this dying down anytime soon, and uh, working in a strip club continuing to be a viable option for me, no matter how many times I wash my hands, I am being continuously exposed po- to potential spreading. I, I I just, I don't know. And, and the more that I think about it, I'm like, the future of sex work is digital. It's, it's I mean, that's the only way to really, like, s- stop the spreading of a contagion is to lock yourself up in your house and do some fucking cam work, you know, mm-hmm. or do phone sex or do sexting. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I, I think, you know, early we, we were talking about this and you had said that, um, you know, person to person sex work probably mm-hmm. will always exist. I agree. Yeah. Yes. That's what I think. Yeah. yeah. And if, you know, there might be a trend now where maybe, yeah, people are going to the digital platform, you're selling clips, you're doing all the yeah. things you mentioned, kinds of things like that over person in person sex work. But I think it'll be back before we know it kind of, um, or at least maybe that's my hopeful outlook on the situation. You know, this will, this will, um, blow over, it'll get contained and we'll, and business as usual eventually. Eventually. I think the other thing to consider though is that... But there might be more things coming up. You know, what's the next thing that's going to come up that's going to affect our jobs, right? Another thing to consider is that we are, it's looking like this may lead to another recession. Right. Which is also something that is not good for sex workers because... To, to we're luxuries. We are a luxury um, service. Yeah, it's uh, you need a disposable income to be able to afford the services that we provide. Yes, um, and if on top of the coronavirus and the um, physical risks mm-hmm. to being intimate with someone person to person, on top of that, our clients are in a more precarious place financially. We all are. Mm-hmm. We're all going to start becoming a little bit more desperate to be able to afford our rent, afford yeah. all the things that we need to pay for in our lives. We're all going to start becoming a little cagey. And we, I think it's important to think about innovative ways to start making money. And that's why I'm like, do I get an OnlyFans? I don't know. Yeah, that's the thing know. with me that I've always, you know, not specifically um, about talking about coronavirus or what's happening right now, but I've always... Um, 
I've always kind of given the advice and I've done it myself where I'm trying to diversify all my things so that in the event that one of them, for whatever reason, um, is not happening so much, I've got these other four or five things. Yes. So it's like, okay, let's do the let's do the phone sex stuff. Let's sell clips. Let's have the Patreon. Let's do in person doming. Let's let's do everything because there's going to be dips and valleys where one is doing one is not doing so much. So to put all your eggs in one basket, you know, is is probably unwise. You are a genius. <laughs> Like, that's so smart to diversify, especially in the sex industry, because it does, there are so many avenues that you can go down, right? And, and one can be very inconsistent, but you have, if you have many, then generally all the little bits and pieces are going to uh, be steady. Yes, right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is absolutely brilliant in, in, especially in what feels like a more precarious yeah. um, world. Generally speaking, whether it's the coronavirus, it's the economy, yeah, it's, it's the whatever, quarantine, yeah. you know, like if we're all locked in, in our apartments for at least two weeks because we may have been exposed to the coronavirus, like mm. that's two weeks not working. Like we're mm-hmm. all going to be facing this. Yeah. And, and like all, again, like all types of jobs are going to be dealing with this. We're yeah. all told at this point, like, do not go to work if you are sick. You can't anymore. Like, you really shouldn't be. So anybody, most people, you know, are not on salary where they're getting sick pay and all this stuff. Yeah. Or sick days. Right. Most of us Who? aren't. No matter what job. I don't know. Them. I don't like, know. Those, I don't know her. Yeah. So, like, you know, we're all, yeah, exactly. We're all going to have to fi- keep working somehow. Yeah. In other ways. Yeah. Yeah. To survive, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, and I, I, I would love to see more sex workers talking about this for sure and the way that it it has been impacting them financially emotionally physically um i know like racism has been a part of this conversation because people have started discriminating against certain types of clientele based on where they come from and where the the coronavirus hotspots are but let's face it this thing is like goes way beyond class race money it's everywhere everywhere. at this point everyone and every Everyone can get this. Yes. No one is impervious to it. No one's at, at a high risk necessarily just because of their race. You know, fuck that shit. Um, we all have to be extremely diligent. And, uh, yeah, I'm curious about how sex workers are changing their screening practices, for instance. Right. You know, and, and doing it in a way that avoids discriminating against people. Yeah. But, you know, if, if somebody has just, you know, flown in from a coronavirus hotspot... Like I and at the club on Thursday, like I'm 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 talking to people that are are just traveling in and they've been in the Middle East and they've been in in Asia and it's like Italy. I in Italy yeah. in Italy, right? Like yeah. I I I will I need to make money. Yep. And I think it's still safe for me to work for the next couple weeks, fingers crossed. But this thing is changing by the day. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's it's scary. It's. To me, it's it's like this is an opportunity to change a lot of habits. Mm-hmm. And, and I think a positive takeaway from this is, and something that um, Nicole and I were discussing this morning is like, you know, to pivot from <laughs> how terrifying it is, <laughs> is, is that in a way it, it allows us to rethink perhaps the way that we um, have been approaching in the environment, for instance. You know, like if fewer people are taking planes, 
that's a win for the environment. Right. Yeah. You know, plane air, flying is incredibly destructive. Mm-hmm. You know, global travel. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of economies rely on on tourism, but at the same time, it destroys the planet for us to be able to so easily travel around. So it's Hey everyone, I want to tell you a little bit about our new sponsor, Hi. Now, Hi, that's H I I I, is a dating app with icebreaker games and quizzes for creative, fun, and interesting people, just like yourselves. What I like about the app is that the games give you something to talk about and also show off your personality in the process. So it's a little bit like getting to know somebody over your favorite board game. My favorite game to play on the app is Exquisite Corpse. So that's the one where you draw a picture together. So basically every match that I get, I'm sending the first half of a drawing and I'm asking them to draw the second half for me. And you get this fun little picture. I'm absolutely obsessed with doing this. The other fun thing is that you can take a quiz that I wrote for Bedpost. It's called What Sex Toy Are You? And uh, I gotta tell you, I had a lot of fun writing it. So what you can do is go on over to HIII.com, that's HIII.com slash The Bedpost to download the app, take our quiz, and also just so they know we sent you. Let's take a moment to talk about our lovely sponsors, shall we? First of all, Oasis Aqua Lounge is a water-themed sex club located right here in Toronto at 231 Mutual Street. Oasis is inclusive of all genders and orientations and is shame-free when it comes to pleasure and play. Check them out at their website, oasisaqualounge.com. Unicorn Collaborators is the local leather business of two queer unicorns. They specialize in luxurious and colorful harnesses for all body types, and even craft non-conventional ones for your thigh, fist, or foot. Check them out at their Etsy shop under Unicorn Collaborators. Lovecrafters Toys is a non-gendered fantasy sex toy line that makes weird and wonderful dildos in the shape of tentacles, unicorn horns, mermaid tails, and more. Their high-quality silicone is hand-poured right here in Toronto. Check out their Etsy shop at Lovecrafters Toys. ComeAsYouAre.com is a trans-owned, trans-operated sex shop that also happens to be feminist and anti-capitalist. They carry only the best sex toys and want to give you the best price possible. Next time, use the coupon code BEDPOST, that's B-E-D-P-O-S-T, when checking out at ComeAsYouAre.com. You know, I had a concussion. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard oh, it. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people don't know this about me, but um, <laughs> I suffered a traumatic brain injury. Yes. <laughs> you can tell. Um, uh, 11 months ago, mm-hmm. and um, it it was an event that, that totally rocked my world yeah. and um, forced me into new habits that have so much enriched my life as a result. Mm-hmm. Um, like what? Talk, tell me about it. I mean, yeah. I mean, this is another thing. Like, I, I'm i sober. Yes. I haven't drank yes, since you that are. night because I was drunk and I hopped on my bike and I... Uh, got went, in a bike accident. I, well, yeah, I, got, I went really fast. I had to 
bag of stuff very stupidly on the on the handlebars of my bike, which I would never have done sober, was flying, and uh, the bag got tangled in the front wheel, and I flew headfirst into the pavement over my handlebars and blacked out. And so I don't know who called the ambulance. I just know I woke up in a hospital and uh my boyfriend later told me that i had called him five times in a row asking him to come to the hospital because something had happened to me not remembering <laughs> that i had just called him wow to ask him for that so yeah i mean that that really um yeah changed things up for me a little bit and um i stopped drinking because i was like eh. first of all i gotta let my brain heal yes and then and then when i thought i would start drinking again I was like I don't really feel like drinking again Mm -hmm. maybe I'll wait another like six weeks and then you know six weeks went by and I was like I don't think I maybe you know what fuck it let me try a year Mm -hmm. and that was like a scary shocking thought to me at first but then I was like but wait why not why can't I I I can do that and so you know I got a month ago um and I'm pretty committed to remaining sober because there's just so many benefits to it. Mm-hmm. Um, how has, has that affected you being working at a club? 100%. Or, yeah. Yes. In what way has that been different for you over so, the past almost year? Oh, being a sober sex worker yeah. is such a fascinating experience. Um, and especially being a sober stripper mm-hmm. because it's I'm in a bar. Yeah. I work in a bar where a man's opening line is often, can I get you a drink? Yeah. You know? Um, and I have in that um, experience, <laughs> I have uh, encountered men who get very angry when I order a soda water. Mm-hmm. Men who get angry about the fact that I'm not participating in the intoxication of the experience, mm-hmm. men who feel like I'm being, you know, a wet towel, a narc, a narc, <laughs> you know, like, come on, participate in mm-hmm. the mystery, get drunk with me. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not, I can't, I won't. And, um, and so getting exposed to that. And that often, even though I explain to them that the reason I'm not drinking is because I'm recovering from a concussion. Mm-hmm. Often it's the same men who will respond. Oh, I had a concussion. <laughs> Fuck it. Who cares? Just put, get your stick back on the ice, bud. Come on. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Just, you know. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Man up. Man up. Yeah. Men telling me to man up because that's what they'd been told when they had their concussions. Oh, yeah. Man up. Get back on the ice. Mm -hmm. Man up. Re-injure yourself. Re-injure yourself. And then they're projecting that same... That toxic masculinity. Onto me. (laughs) Oh, it's, I mean, and and this is something that I'm going to be, well, writing about in in the book. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, yeah, being a sober sex worker is, it's so interesting. I will, okay, caveat. I smoke weed. (laughs) Okay, like, it's it's hard to work without smoking weed, to be honest. If If I couldn't smoke weed, I think I would have a very, very hard time. Yeah. But it, yeah, because weed really takes the edge off for me. Yeah. And I'm thankfully one of those people that, um, has a very good reaction to weed because mm-hmm. I know that a lot of people, it puts them in a space where they don't want to talk to anybody. It's yeah. like, you know, antithetical to, to their work as a, a sex worker because they, you know, retreat into themselves and become too self-conscious. Mm-hmm. And that's totally fair. To me, it, it brings me out of my shell and I just feel a little bit more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Have I been too stoned at work? <laughs> <laughs> 
Have I? Yes. <laughs> yes. Have I been on stage <laughs> doing been a like, dance? Uh-oh. And then like, <laughs> I'm on stage right now. <laughs> oh, no. Keep dancing. Yeah, how long have I been not dancing for on stage? <laughs> no, it's not. You know, but I like dealing with sobriety and and understanding the motivations for like wanting to drink for instance like for me like understanding you know with the like three month mark and the six month mark like wow I crave total absolution I want to uh just totally uh disappear um I want to black out I want to do things and not remember them I want to absolve myself of responsibility and and uh become something I don't recognize mm-hmm. because that's fun to me, mm-hmm. you know, and, and understanding that impulse. Um, it's like, I, I am an extreme person in a lot of ways mm-hmm. and I, I love to like work hard, play hard mm-hmm. and not drinking is an enormous gift because I usually, uh, in the past <laughs> when I was a drinking type of gal, I drank to get drunk. Yeah. I drank, I drank booze like water. Mm-hmm. I drank cause I was thirsty. I would just drink and drink and drink and drink. Um, mm-hmm. and I can't, I can't do that anymore. I got too much on the line. I got too much to risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like to think, you know, I, I haven't been to AA. Um, I know a lot of very awesome people who go to AA and it has like saved their lives and Mm -hmm. it's a strong part of, um, their journey, um, towards sobriety. Mm -hmm. Um, I haven't done anything like that, but what I do believe fundamentally is that I found my higher power and that's my brain. (laughs) It's my brain. I fucking worship my brain. I'm not going to do anything anymore. That's going to damage my brain. Um, so because I need this thing. Yeah. I'm a writer. Yeah. If I don't have my brain working, I'm totally fucked. Yeah. Um, you know, it could probably get along to me. <laughs> that's what I would a brain. You'd be right. <laughs> I'd be okay. But I need to write. That's my mission. That's my, yeah. my, my everything. That's my destiny. It's like everything that I've ever wanted is wrapped up in my ability to think. Yeah. And if I can't do that and like getting a glimpse of that, mm. getting... Was it scary? Oh my God. It was terrifying. Mm-hmm. It was terrifying to, yeah, go through months and months of like... What was it like oh. when you, when you, when you started, uh, recovering from your concussion, the first time you tried to get back to normal? Mm. You know, my first day of work, for instance, mm-hmm. back six weeks after the concussion, because mm-hmm. I needed to work, mm-hmm. you know, I probably could have gone a little longer, but I wanted to, I needed to make money. Yeah. Um, very pared down. I'm, I performed on stage, but it was like, wow, can't do any spins right now. Oh, like I'm in this environment where like the music's really loud and the strobe lights are like going constantly. Yeah. This is like almost like the anti-concussion room. Like I can't yes. like be yeah. in here for very long or noticing like I can't stay late. Um, or like the thing that gets me that still gets me is that if I'm in a room where there's loud music playing or loud sound and somebody's talking to me, mm-hmm. I start to not be able to distinguish between the two sounds. Mm-hmm. And so people are talking and I can't understand what they're saying. Mm-hmm. That's fucking scary. 
or like yeah very early on like coming home from work and only working like a four-hour shift Mm -hmm. um and I vividly recall trying to put my key into my lock Mm -hmm. in the front door of my house and not being able to get it in Mm -hmm. like losing the depth perception there and it was in that moment that I thought like this is something I feel like I would have done if I was drunk. Yes. When you're drunk and you're like, Whoa, yeah, trying to get that key in that. Yeah. I'm dead sober mm. and I can't get this key into my fucking lock. I can't drink. My brain can't handle it. And I still feel like that. I like my brain is not, I'm not at a hundred percent yet. Like, and I still deal with my symptoms. symptoms. Yeah. So How long has it been about, since your concussion it's been 11 months 11 months yeah yeah and um yeah i mean like post concussion syndrome like i have a friend who fell on the ice and hit her head and it's like years later still having pretty severe symptoms yeah yeah it can it can really really last it, it it's it's uh yeah it's uh an amazing thing to go through and I feel like every single person who's had a concussion we're in a club because only we understand what it's like to almost experience your brain outside of yourself and uh yeah it's uh it's such a particular experience and it's it's hard to understand when you haven't dealt with it but um like I I I feel so supported by my friends and my family and um by like people who reached out when it happened and sent me money for instance like Mm -hmm. I cannot tell you how fucking uh grateful I was like I just like cried and cried and cried because people were so generous and it meant that I could like keep afloat and spend a little bit more time healing before running back to work. Mm-hmm. Um, oh man, and yeah, like getting back to work and putting on those eight inch heels mm-hmm. and walking around, like it's so easy to lose your balance once you've been concussed. Uh, so that was a challenge and uh, still something I, I slightly deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not as easy as it was before. Not, yeah, yeah. I have to be very deliberate and. And, and again, that, that's, a, that's something that I actually like. I like having to be very thoughtful about my own um, body. body and my own health and, and prioritizing self-care because I know it's extremely important. I was very... Every, and the other thing, too, is about concussions. Like, it's every concussion is um, different. Yeah. It affects people very differently. Um, the singer, Kiza, mm-hmm. she had a concussion. She got into this, like, big car accident where she got a concussion, and I I read about it um, a few months after my own concussion, where, like, she couldn't even eat solid food anymore. Um, Like, she was surviving on, like, bone broth um, because it had... Something had disconnected between her brain and her stomach. Something like that. And I, I have that... Something very light, uh, comparatively, but... For instance, like, my brain and my stomach don't communicate Mm. when I'm, until I'm, like, starving. Mm. And that's inconvenient, I think would be the right word, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's also kind of scary because 
if I'm hungry, it's, it's like I'm, I go into panic mode and my body isn't telling my brain or like there's something, there's like a blockage, um, in which like, it's like if I'm hungry, then it's too late. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm vegan. So I can't like necessarily just like go and grab something. Like I have to be kind of thoughtful about what I eat. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's like, so you're like crashing essentially your body is crashing before you realize you're, you should eat something. Yeah. And I, yeah, I get into like a manic state and, uh, my PMS Mm-hmm. Holy fuck! Because when you hit your head, um, what's that? Uh, there's like the hormone center generator in the brain. Anyway, I think I must have hit that when I hit my head, um, and it affects periods. Really? In what way? Oh, okay. So like, I found this research because I started looking up like PMS and concussion because I didn't get a period after my concussion for six months. Wow. And then wow. I, I found a research paper uh, led by a woman um, at the University of Toronto, the scientist, who focuses on the way concussions specifically impact women, um, that uh, found that, like, I can't remember what the stat is. I'm not just going to throw it. Yeah. But, like, a percentage, a substantial percentage of the women that she um, talked to mm-hmm. had experienced some form of... Um, called amenorrhea I think stopping of periods interesting that's something I never know I exactly. never would have known I became obsessive about this topic because I was thinking I was going to write an article about it but the problem with the concussion is that like I can't, I can't I lost like a lot of my follow-through on the things I became obsessed with so I'll, I'll save it for the book but um like I even reached out to her like I was like I would love to interview about you mm-hmm. about this um but maybe I, I can do that for the book. I think that would be really cool mm-hmm. um, because her whole mission uh, was that she noticed that concussion research was focused almost exclusively on male athletes mm-hmm. and not about the way it affects women specifically. Mm-hmm. And so it does affect our hormones to hit our heads. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I felt so like assured that I, because nobody had talked to me about that and I'd never heard anyone talk about that yeah um so I had stopped getting my periods and then my PMS post-concussion still like fucking crazy really so emotionally fucked Mm. (laughs) for like two weeks of the month including my bleeding wow including the bleed so like Half of the my life now. <laughs> yes. Half of half my of life the is, time. I'm I'm like an emotional wreck, mm-hmm. and I cry on a dime. Mm-hmm. It's wild, and and so yeah, there's just so much that hasn't been explored, and then on top of that, um, how many sex workers have had concussions? Right. Um. They they I know St. Mike's did a study on homeless people and concussions mm-hmm. with the people that were coming into the emergency room and they found like almost 50% of homeless people had had a concussion before they became homeless. Interesting. That it that it was a factor yeah. in them becoming homeless. Wow. And when I think about how absolutely fucking helpless I was post concussion mm-hmm. and how many people I had around me to just like support me and take care of me. Yeah, but imagine if you didn't. If I didn't have that? Yeah. 
I could easily be one of those people on the street. Easily, Mm -hmm. easily, easily. So it's like concussions, like this has now become something (laughs) that I will probably continue to talk about for the rest of my life because I imagine it will continue to impact me for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. I'm also, another reason to stop drinking is that once you have one concussion, it's really easy to get another. Mm -hmm. And if I stop drinking, I'm at a lower risk of hitting my head. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Because even when I was drinking, I hit my head tons of times. Yeah. Oh, I would, you know, almost recreationally smash my face for fun. Like, I used to joke about it. Like, you know, my my writer brain and my, like, uh, you know, pretty face are in this battle. Because, like, writer self wants to, like, retreat and not see anybody and not take any pictures of myself and just, like, write in isolation. And, you know, my face wants to go out and be like, Hi, everyone, aren't I pretty? You know, really distracting uh, the writer. But then, so the writer... (laughs) brain decides to smash my face and destroy it uh, without realizing that the brain is attached to the face. (laughs) You stupid fucking idiot. So (laughs) that's how I've sort of like humorously thought of it, but it's it's so dumb. It's so stupid. Yeah, that's what's been going on in my life. (laughs) Fuck. In a very large nutshell. I know. Coronavirus. We got a taking economy. I'm still recovering from my concussion. We've got the expanded edition of Monarchs available for your support on Kickstarter. Come on, make my day. <laughs> through the ringer this year. Oh my god! And come out kicking, like. What else? I'm a sex worker. That's what we do. Right? Survive. I'm survive. Right? Yeah. Oh boy. Okay. So we are almost at wrapping up time. <laughs> been a great conversation (laughs) i i love it honestly i think i think this is so important and so relevant a lot of what we've talked about and i feel like a lot of people aren't talking about it so i fucking love to have you here to talk about all the things we've talked about so happy so okay rhyme off again where and when things are happening imminently uh as as far as modern horror stuff goes okay so uh, hot topic number one yeah Modern Horror, the expanded edition Kickstarter is running until April 2nd, 2020. Okay, so you have time, folks, to get on that and uh, back some of our really incredible rewards on top of getting a signed edition of the book. You want to do this. Mm-hmm. You've heard what I've been through this year. Just come on, make a girl happy. <laughs> Support the Kickstarter. And the more money that we raise, even if, even if we reach our goal of $35,000, the more money we raise means it's a bigger print run. It yeah. means that we don't sell out as quickly as we did the last time. Yeah, because people were nuts about modern horror, and it sold out. It sold out. And people were like, where can I get this? Where can I get this? And it's like... Sorry. <laughs> we only printed so many because that was what we had to fund the project. Exactly. So, so there you go. Yeah. yeah. So um, please, please, please support our Kickstarter. It would mean the world to us. Mm-hmm. It's um, a very exciting time to support um, sex worker storytelling, and I'm very proud to be um, a part of this big movement. Yeah. Um, it is. It is, yeah. did work, I think, in your advantage a little bit because then it was in really high demand, right? Yeah. Because it sold out and then people were like, when, how can I get a, you I know, know, people were desperate to get their a hand on, their hands on a copy. And this is finally your chance. And now is the time. Now is the time. And don't, yeah. don't wait. Don't wait for the, like, the print run because we are, we are... Um, printing this book um, for November. 
That's mm. when it will be available. Don't wait. Yeah. Support us now so that we can print more. Um, because, I mean... And to reserve your copy. Reserve like, your copy. Yeah. And then there's, like, so many amazing things. So we have this, like, $69 flash sale that's going on until March 10th. Mm-hmm. Uh, highly recommend it. You get, like, a personalized Polaroid of a yours eternally oh in a various state of undress. <laughs> and... Uh, we, we like we can love it. we can personalize it, you know, and I'm hoping that we just have like a ton of Polaroids to take, and that we can do maybe like a little spread in the book of all the different Polaroids that we take. So please take advantage of that. And then after March 10th, it's worth five hundred dollars. So you don't so want to wait. It, that that is a great. You want to do that right now? So um, I mean, that's like the most pressing thing. Yes, great. Um, so get on the fucking Kickstarter, y'all. Yeah. Um, and then where can we uh, stay tuned for like all other things like the your world premiere etc cetera, etc cetera? where can we follow modern horror all right so we can uh, we can follow modern horror on twitter yep. at modern horror um we have a facebook page that's uh, at modern horror minus the e mm-hmm. because horror they is a bad horse. word yeah. they hate they they hate horrors <laughs> um yeah instagram long deleted our oh, modern yes. horror account oh uh, i know instagram i can't keep an account yeah <laughs> Past six months. <laughs> so fucking stupid. Uh, it's so dumb. Yeah. I'm sure my account that's uh, at Wiener Woman, W E E N E R, woman. Um, <laughs> I'm sure there's a, a time limit for that as well. <laughs> I anticipate at some point they're going to shut my account down too. I so know. go check that out while it's still up. There's a website as well. Modernwhore.com is a great place to make sure that you're in, you know always in the loop. Uh, sign up for our newsletter as well. It's the best way to know uh, the quickest what's what's happening with uh, you get emailed. Modern you get you emailed get directly into your inbox. Inbox. You want electronic that. mail. Mail. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> it's on the World Wide Web. Anything else? Is that good? Is I that think... cover it all? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm on Twitter at, at Andrea Warehen. Um, pretty easy to find me. Uh, you can find Nicole at Nicole Bazine on Twitter. She's on Instagram as Nico Bazine. Um, yeah, keep up to date with everything. It's all, it's, it's, you know what? It's a terrifying time, but it's an exciting time to be alive. (laughs) Being terrified is exciting. I like being scared. It keeps things interesting. (laughs) God. Oh, true. Uh, okay. So yes. And for me, uh, obviously we are doing the third Friday of every month at the Social Capital Theater, 8 p.m. Uh, the March show, March 20th, that features Andrea Warehun, um, possibly doing Q&A, possibly reading a story from the book. We don't know. Something, but she's going to be there. And that's the fifth anniversary Five years anniversary of the Bedpost Stage Show. Congratulations! Thank you so much. Thank you. You do such an incredible job hosting that show. You are so good at what you do. Oh, you. You are. Oh, you. You you were just flirting now. (laughs) Um, Yes. uh, You know, it's the Bedpost Podcast on Instagram. It's Bedpost Erotica on Facebook. Why are they all different? Because we keep getting deleted and I have to make up a new name. Uh, (laughs) You can also follow me uh, for my pro-dom stuff. I'm pim.lady on Instagram 
and at the Lady Pym one on Twitter. Uh, Twitter is the place where I post uh, a lot. Yes, well, it's it's currently a safe space for sex workers. <laughs> yeah, so that's where I am. Um, at the Bedpost Sex Show at gmail.com if you want to make an inquiry for the pod. Um, and then go on YouTube. We're the Bedpost Sex Show on YouTube. We're doing Bedpost product reviews, which is a really fun series. Uh, I'm reviewing fun sex toys with funny people. So you can check us out there as well. One huge last thank you um, to Stephanie Copeland. She just got a Canadian Podcasting Award for my show. Uh, so thank you, Stephanie. You can figure out... Uh, she's she's the composer to all of my original music here on the podcast. You can find more about Stephanie at stephcopelandmusic.com. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you as well. Another Canadian Podcasting Award I just received was People's Choice. So now we got five awards under our belt. The people have spoken. The people have spoken. I am the choice. Uh, <laughs> you win. So thank you, you everyone. Oh yeah. Uh, and it's all to uh, all you fabulous listeners. So much, much thank you to all of you who are listening. And then one last huge thank you to my lovely guest, Andrea Wareham. Thank you so much for coming on again. You're so very welcome. We'll see you in a year. Yeah. <laughs> we'll least. have you back. Yeah, yeah. At the most. I'm, I'm going to say yeah, another, yeah, <laughs> yeah. another thing that you, you have going on yeah, that we yeah. need to talk about. Yes, probably. Right. Okay. I love it. Uh, Thank you so much, everyone. We'll talk to you next time with another fun uh, guest here in the studio talking about sex and sexuality on the BitPost podcast. Bye. Bye. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.